0: Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the World of Allergy, a podcast produced by the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. I'm your host, Dave Stukas. I'm a board-certified allergist and immunologist and serve as the social media medical editor for the Academy. Our podcast series will use different formats to interview thought leaders from the world of allergy and immunology. This podcast is not intended to provide any individual medical advice to our listeners. We do hope that our conversations provide evidence-based information. Any questions pertaining to one's own health should always be discussed with their personal physician. The Find an Allergist search engine on the Academy website is a useful tool to locate a listing of board-certified allergists in your area. Finally, use of this audio program is subject to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology Terms of Use Agreement, which you can find at www.aaai.org. Today's edition of our Conversations from the World of Allergy podcast series is very unique, and it's the first, first time we've ever done this. Today, we have both candidates who are uh, up for election by our voting members of the Academy for the position of Secretary-Treasurer, which then ascends to the position of President of the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. What I did for the purposes of equity for both of our candidates was uh, they received a series of questions ahead of time so they could prepare their answers, and then they were each asked the exact same questions and they had the chance to answer. These were recorded separately. And what you'll hear is basically each candidate giving their answer uh, uh, in succession to each other. So this is a longer format to allow our listeners to hear them really express some viewpoints on some questions that may may not be asked in other formats. In addition to this podcast, you will be able to find information on each candidate, both on the Academy website, as well as through the emails that you're going to receive whenever the ballots are open for voting. And with that, we are very pleased to welcome the two candidates for Secretary-Treasurer, Dr. Christopher Randolph and Dr. Frank Barrant.
1: Dr. Randolph, many in our audience know the names of the leaders in our specialty, but they don't always get to know them personally, which is what we love to do on our podcast. Can we start by having you tell us about your background? And please feel free to discuss where you grew up, why you decided to become an allergist immunologist, and take us through where you are in your career at this time.
2: Yes, thank you so much David and the Academy for having on having me on this podcast. Uh and uh I I was fortunate to be born into a loving family uh in Danbury, Connecticut. Um and I was the beneficiary of a pediatric heritage uh, or dynasty if you will with three pediatricians in the extended family, including two maternal uncles and my father. And I was parented by two loving parents, a mother who was an RN and a father, a pediatrician, was second of eight children in a cheaper by the dozen rambunctious household. My father was an inspiration to pursue medicine. He had his solo practice in an office in the home devoted to up to 100 hours a week or more to his passion, which were his passion, his patients and medical research. And he was an attending at Yale and University of Connecticut in the clinical faculty. His twin passions were medicine and his wife and family. He inspired my cousin, a pediatric infectious disease specialist at Northwestern Children, and my sister, who manages St. Louis Children's, and a member of the extended family who is in allergy practice in Columbus, Ohio. I learned the passion for service and I finished university and medical school, University of Rochester. And I had a cherished allergy fellowship with the editors of Middleton's textbook, Elliot Ellis and Middleton at Buffalo. I was inspired to be in the trenches of a full-time allergy practice, first at Mass General with Bill Franklin, and then in my own practice in Waterbury, Connecticut, where I've been for the last 30 years, always in synergism. And this is a key point synergism of practice in the trenches with clinical research and teaching at yale in the allergy fellowship program uh, where i'm currently a clinical professor of allergy asthma and immunology Um, and i have uh, been in full-time allergy practice in waterbury and uh, for the past uh, since 1986 and I'm currently a clinical professor of allergy, asthma, immunology, and pediatrics. My professional career has always bridged the dual passions for a full-time private practice and academics, research, and teaching, which I think fulfills the mission of the quadruple AI. And I think this is what I bring uh, to this uh, uh, position, uh, is this bridging of private practice, working in the trenches, and academic research and teaching.
0: Many in our audience know the names of the leaders in our specialty, but don't always get to know them personally, which is what we love to do on our podcast. Dr. Varant, can we start by having you tell us about your background and feel free to discuss where you grew up, why you decided to become an allergist immunologist, and take us through where you are in your career at this time.
3: Uh, Sure. Thanks, uh, Dave. Well, I'm a Seattle native. Uh, I uh, actually went to grade school, high school, and ultimately the University of Washington there. Uh, as an undergraduate. And I then went to medical school in St. Louis, but ultimately returned to Seattle for both my pediatric residency and allergy immunology fellowship. Uh, For the last 34 years, actually, I've been in clinical practice at Northwest Asthma and Allergy, also in Seattle and a clinical researcher at the Seattle Allergy and Asthma Research Institute, where I've been an investigator or sub-investigator on over 300 trials. I also thoroughly enjoy teaching, and as clinical professor of pediatrics, I've served for many years as associate director of our Allergy Immunology Fellowship Program here at the University of Washington. Uh, I was, I guess you could say, raised in a, a culture at Northwest Asthma and Allergy of uh, really embracing the Academy of Allergy and getting involved at the uh, initially at the level of uh, committees, and then ultimately uh, I was actually able to chair a few committees, in, including the Sinusitis Committee. I also directed, chaired the inaugural sinusitis practice parameter task force. And then more recently I've I've been on the board of directors. I'm just finishing my term uh, in March of 2023. And in the past, I've also chaired uh, the uh, at the time the ERT, but what is now the Quad AI Foundation. Uh, and then over the years I've also uh, been involved in leadership as president of the Trans Pacific uh, Allergy Society and more locally the Washington State and Puget Sound societies. So I guess one other comment: I uh, ironically got interested in medicine when I was growing up. Uh, our family doc was just one of the most dynamic people I think I've ever met, and you know he always had a smile on his face. And I said, "Well, this this." this might be a a wonderful career. Uh, Obviously, I ended up not doing primary care, but really, from that point, which I think was seventh or eighth grade, I kind of knew I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, And then uh, again, after finishing my pediatric residency, I was fascinated by the relatively, I guess, new field of immunology. I was actually in immunology fellowship before I uh, sort of added allergy to the to the mix. So uh, it's again just been a, a wonderful mix, I think, for me over my career of seeing patients, doing clinical research, and and teaching.
1: Dr. Randolph, let's say that for whatever reason you were no longer able to be a physician. What other career path would you choose? I would
2: choose the pathway of English literature. Uh I graduated from University of Rochester with a BA um in English uh in and of course I did my pre-medical training there. Uh and I have always uh, uh had a love for literature and uh am an avid reader of the Pulitzer Prize winning fiction of the year and or and or the Nobel Prize Literature uh, uh, publication of the year. Um in conjunction with, I'm currently reading, rereading Shakespeare, and I enjoy biographies as well. Um, so uh, I would avidly pursue uh, English literature, uh, but would obviously have to uh, go back to training to get my
1: uh, master's and PhD. That's fascinating. Thank
0: you for sharing that. Dr. Verant, let's say that for whatever reason, you were no longer able to be a physician. What other career path would you choose at this point in your life?
3: Boy, it's it's hard to say. I mean, obviously, doing what I've been doing, if you count med school for, for 40 years, I, ironically, I think with my experience over the last 17 years and way back in the late 70s, I was actually fascinated by computers, obviously, again, a very early entry into the field in the late 70s but uh, I would probably if I could do it like to be a consultant for one of the large uh, companies like Epic or Athena that actually make EMRs and you know try to at least give my take on maybe what might be a better workflow and, and, and again related to our fields create a more maybe a useful specialty specific EMR.
1: Dr. Randolph, when, when did you serve on the Board of Directors for the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology and what was the most rewarding part of your experience?
2: Uh, I served according to uh, Academy records, 2006 to 2010, uh, David, and uh, uh, I enjoyed this as a, as a view from 10,000 feet. Uh, of the uh, finances and investments of the academy uh, and and this is what I enjoyed most was guiding these the finances and the investments of the academy from about ten thousand feet as an advisor and uh, Of course, you were appointed to one of the three divisions uh, education, research, and training, and practice and policy and uh, uh, you uh, we had to approve uh, upcoming uh, Plans, action plans, um, and finances uh, for our our uh, division, um, and uh, this was an enjoyable uh, perspective uh, to have, sort of an armchair perspective uh, of the finances uh, and uh, the um, uh, the running of the academy. Um, so that's what I enjoyed most was was that position. Um, and uh, I hopefully can bring that experience uh, to uh, the secretary
0: treasurer uh, position. Dr. Varante, you, you mentioned this briefly earlier, but remind us, when did you serve on the board of directors for the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, Immunology, and what was the most rewarding part of your experience? Sure. Uh,
3: yes, I started on the board at the uh, at the end of the Uh, 2019 Academy meeting in San Francisco and My four-year term is to be completed with the upcoming meeting in San Antonio Uh, I think you know, I I really wanted to be on the board just as an opportunity to serve and quite frankly learn more about the dynamics of exactly what the board does how uh, how it administrates the Academy Uh, Etc., and and I guess suffered from the sort of common things that would happen at all these meetings I found most rewarding taking part in some of the task forces that were developed Um, uh, you know as you know one of those the COVID-19 task force uh, has been a very I think popular thing and I've enjoyed uh, being a part of that for many reasons, uh, really keeping up to date also myself on what's going on with that constantly moving field. And then I also took part in uh, the Community Practitioner Leadership Task Force uh, that, you know, obviously I have a very vested interest in, being a, a community practitioner. Uh, and and then the other uh, aspect, which is still evolving, is the task force. Uh, on the Quad AI registry, so I think again for me, just because that was a much more focused uh, group of things, I found that more
1: perhaps more rewarding. Dr. Randolph, what do you think our specialty does really well, and where can we collectively improve?
2: Well, I, I think our our specialty does very well uh, the uh, uh, boarded and uh, evidence-based allergy, uh, immunology, asthma. Um, But what is missing is what I hope to provide uh, to the academy. And that is a health maintenance is what I call it, uh, a more robust public health and population view uh, of health uh, that uh, looks at the pandemic of fitness uh both mental and physical, although I would focus because of my training on the physical uh, aspects of fitness. And I think that's an area where our specialty and, and of course probably most others in medicine uh needs to focus. It should be part of our um our HPI um and our uh intake uh with our, our patients to have health maintenance. Um which I currently use to give an exercise prescription, uh, vitamin D, um, you know, advice, um, and uh, diet if it's appropriate, um, and vaccinations, uh, which obviously are
0: critical right now with the COVID 19 pandemic. Dr. Verant, what do you think our specialty does really well, and where can we collectively improve? Uh,
1: Yes, I think
3: my sense, you know, having been involved in going to academy meetings, uh, again, for well over 30 years, I think education has always, you know, standed uh, out for me, uh, specifically at the annual meeting. But, you know, over the years, uh, also seeing how the academy works to support our training programs, again, being involved with those at the associate director level uh, and more recently seeing the development of webinars and of course podcasts which i think everyone learns differently uh, and uh, i think it's it's great to have constant updates in in all of those areas as far as uh, what we could do better uh, my sense is and again this perhaps comes from you know being now the senior person of a practice continuing to enhance our support for clinicians whether they be community physicians or practitioners in large multi uh, specialty clinics Uh, i think the focus needs to be expanded even more in the practice management realm Uh, my take is uh, which we may talk about in in a few minutes is that you know we need even more focus on that, not just an annual workshop maybe in the summer, but even throughout the year, focused topics, webinars, and so forth. Uh, I even thought it might be useful to define a a track uh, that would be more obvious at the annual meeting for community physicians, you know, versus maybe uh, clinical researchers uh, I think uh, you know I, I think the workshop on practice management has been a fantastic success but I think uh, if we could find the right people uh, people in clinic practice would really benefit from workshops on things like contract negotiation with insurance companies uh, again further coding updates uh, uh, and perhaps novel software way, ways where we could monitor changes in insurance payments and so forth, which I can tell you directly are less than obvious uh, and until they're obvious three, three months later. So uh it was a long answer, but I, I think basically trying to support the, the people that are seeing patients in any way we can.
1: We often ask our guests to dust off their crystal balls and make some bold predictions without obviously holding them to them, Dr. Randolph, what is the greatest threat to our specialty of allergy and immunology, and can we overcome that in the next ten years? if so, how
2: Yes, this is a wonderful question david by the way these are these are very insightful questions that I think are are tremendously important uh to our um, uh, membership and to the and to the uh the uh, candidates um, so I, I I think it's hard to say what will be the greatest threat to our specialty, but I think very likely it will be climate change with all of its ramifications. Um, uh, one could uh, postulate that our current uh, viral pandemic uh, derived from climate change uh, and uh, uh, the development organization. Uh, which the current administration Washington, and I don't want to get into politics here um has approved uh it shows the complex nature of this challenge uh the clearly uh we need to be looking at alternate uh forms of energy uh but the very difficult aspect of that is funding of this particularly in a in a in a inflationary period uh uh, uh so I think the economics of this challenge are, are enormous, as are the physical aspects of it um, and I think this will continue to challenge us over the next ten years and um, uh, my perspective on how to solve this problem is in in line with the current administration proposal uh, but uh what is absent from this proposal is uh, i think is a is a, a tighter economic uh, financial, uh, aspect, uh, to, uh, bringing on the, uh, challenge of climate change. Um, and, uh, I think that, uh, for example, our, our current, uh, oil supplies and the problem with our oil supply, uh, and the inflation that is related to, uh, war in Ukraine and the oil supply and so on. Uh, really challenges us to find an economic approach to climate change uh, that the nation can afford. Um, and, uh, but I would be in line with the current administration proposals, except uh, that I think we need to find a more creative and uh, uh, economic approach uh, to climate change that the nation can afford.
0: We often ask our guests to dust off their crystal balls and make bold predictions, of course, not holding you to anything that you say here. Dr. Barant, what is the greatest threat to our specialty of allergy and immunology? And can we overcome that in the next 10 years? If so, how? Yeah, that's, it's hard to
3: predict, as you said. Uh, but I think, and this is always a threat, I think, if you're a specialist, I think the biggest threat is maintaining. And actually not just maintaining but expanding the relevance of what we all do every day uh, my sense of the solution again there's many levels of that the first and most obvious thing which again I think the Academy does pretty well is simply continuing to educate our current members through the again the annual meeting perhaps periodic webinars on For example, state-of-the-art use of immune immune modulators so that all of us as fellows of the academy that are seeing patients are comfortable embracing that role and uh, almost holding up the flag of, like, this is what we do, and we do it well, in addition to, uh, you know, dealing with food allergy, anaphylaxis, et cetera. And then sort of tangential to that, or perhaps parallel to that, it's maybe educating primary care more about exactly what we what we do and how we can help and then uh educating uh, the public at the same time and then kind of in the midst there enhancing our education of medical students and residents to get you know new people into the field i know that's currently one of the initiatives of of uh, david Kahn, and i certainly i i'll be i'll be elated if that's a real success uh we're doing some pilot programs there and uh you know if i uh, am elected and get the opportunity i would hope that that's something that i could really help expand uh through through many uh, metropolitan areas
1: you are running for the position of Secretary-Treasurer of the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, which ascends to the role of president of our organization. Dr. Randolph, why do you want to serve in these roles? Well, uh,
2: the position of secretary Treasury of the Academy, I view as uh, now the position in the trenches. I said earlier that the Board of Directors was more like 10,000 feet, you know, an armchair uh, sort of uh, position. Um, this is right in the trenches um, and uh, I'm excited uh, to learn uh, the role of secretary, uh, including uh, the, uh, the uh, appropriate, you know, uh, taking of notes from meetings uh, that will be uh, useful to my colleagues and membership. Uh, the finances. Uh, of the academy is a very exciting challenge here to learn the organization finances of the academy, uh, all the way from the, the basic bookkeeping of uh, balancing the books uh, and providing an annual report um, and looking uh, closely at our costs and investments. Um, I think this is a tremendous challenge. I have uh, in the past had t- uh, two um, uh, the regional and state positions as treasurer. Uh, The uh, New England uh, Allergy Society uh, was my regional um, uh, treasury position and the the Connecticut State uh, Society uh, was my state position. But both of these uh, uh, were more armchair positions, uh, albeit we had to balance the books uh, in in a much smaller uh, organization. Uh, not uh, a national organization with the implications of the quadruple AI. Uh, so I welcome uh, the challenge of this position, uh, but uh, I certainly will need training in the specifics of finances and uh, the secretarial position. And uh, I'm very eager to take on that challenge.
0: Dr. Varante, you are running for the position of Secretary-Treasurer of the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, which ascends to the role of president of our organization. Why do you want to serve in these roles?
3: Sure. I think, uh, again, as you said, it is, uh, you know, being elected Secretary-Treasurer is a pathway to ultimately being the president. And I think all of those positions secretary treasurer president-elect serving as president and past president really a four-year term it's again i I think another opportunity i feel for me to hopefully serve in a positive way to to really give back to you know an organization that has been central to my career and really meant a lot to me Uh, uh my hope is that Again, I can create some initiatives to, as I alluded to before, support our clinicians in practice, especially focusing on practice management, maybe some novel aspects there. And at the same time, because I've had exposure to that, continuing to you know, support our training uh, programs. Uh, one thought that's come to my mind over the last three or four years there, Uh, Early on, when I was involved with the, uh, again, the ERT at the time, but now the Quad AI Foundation, we actually had dedicated grants to support uh, clinical educators as part of a training program. And again, I can certainly speak to that locally, but that is a critical aspect. Typically, you just do not have enough faculty, core faculty, to adequately teach uh, fellows, et cetera. So, uh, in sum, I, I think hopefully the ability to give back but also create some positive change.
1: Each Academy president brings their own interests to the role, which manifests as their presidential initiatives. Dr. Randolph, have you thought about what your initiatives might be if given the opportunity? Yes. Uh, this is
2: uh, are my able. Uh, predecessors um, and uh, I am uh, in awe of my uh, predecessors uh, who have been president of the Academy. Um, they have already addressed uh, two of the uh, pandemics uh, that I will allude to shortly. Uh, so, what what the Academy needs, I think, um, is a to be nimble uh, in the presence of the uh cha- challenges of pandemics uh that uh, so that we have a we are able to create either a second uh, a, a sorry a fourth division which i would call the uh preparedness or prophylaxis division and i'm very aware that uh that the finances of this in a in a tight economy uh, have to be looked at very closely uh, so that uh, to uh, prepare uh, to uh, create such a, a division uh, and would certainly uh, welcome other forms of organization that are more economic than a division. Uh, but I believe this way, you create a dedicated uh, organization, a division, preparedness and uh, the uh, or prophylaxis, which would address endemics um, and crises such as we've gone through with COVID-19, um, and has uh, been uh, happened in the past with COVID. Um, and but I think that there are um, at least uh, uh, four pandemics. Um, uh, The first is is of course the uh, infectious pandemic of COVID-19 and the very likely possibility uh, that we will be faced with infectious disease pandemics in the future uh, unless we get tighter control of climate change. And, uh, And that is already being dealt with very ably by my predecessors. The second is the inequity. Um, which has also been dealt very ably by my predecessors. The third is the uh, pandemic I would address, which is the pandemic of fitness, and that would be by creating this division of preparedness um, and prophylaxis, would which would address what I alluded to earlier, uh, that health maintenance um, and physical and mental fitness. Uh, I would obviously be addressing the the uh, physical fitness, and uh, to do this, I would uh, have this division uh, create uh, a uh, strike force uh, just as we did, by the way, so ably with the COVID-19. I was a a lucky participant in the uh, respiratory uh, procedure uh, ADT uh, committee. Um, that developed uh, recommendations for uh, handling pulmonary functions, among other things in in our clinical practice. Um, so you would have a strike force um, and you would you would have uh, programming and then you would have um, research, clinical research, so three arms of the of, of, of any uh, pandemic uh, associated uh, organization. Um, and uh, we already have programming, thanks to our fitness and sports committee uh, at the next academy meeting. I'm fortunate to be in a seminar there on exercise prescriptions. Uh, and uh, the we hopefully could create uh, uh, in, in individualized exercise prescriptions, among other things, which our Canadian colleagues have already had uh, for years. Um, so, uh, this is the way I would address, uh, this would be my presidential initiative uh, to uh, uh, to address this fitness issue with programming, clinical research, um, and ultimately a strike force. Um, uh, very similar to the model uh, for the COVID-19 uh, pandemic developed by my predecessor and on an inequity uh, also developed by my able predecessors. And the fourth pandemic uh, would be in your hands, David, uh, and that would be the misinformation. Um, and I was going to allude to these uh, other challenges uh, when you asked me about greatest threat to our specialty, biology immunology. I was going to allude to burnout from EMR, misinformation, Insurance and other pandemics as being other issues that are going to be on our plate over the next ten years. Uh, but uh, again, just to reiterate, my uh, presidential initiative would be on uh, uh, physical and mental fitness, and programming, uh, the um, research, and the uh, uh, having a strike force that addresses this.
0: Each academy president brings their own interests to the role, and you've discussed some of yours already, and these typically manifest as their presidential initiatives. Dr. Varant, have you thought about what your initiatives might be if given the opportunity?
3: Sure, and these are, again, not meant to be limited to this, because things may evolve, of course, over the next couple of years. But as I did mention earlier a couple of times, initiatives that would be directed towards community physicians, again, Continuing to support uh, the clinician in terms of practice management, uh, perhaps have seminars again, focusing on how maybe novel thoughts about how to use your staff to approve clinic flow, um, you know, how to support staff in their roles. Uh, Again, critical aspects like coding and billing, insurance contracts, and again, another current initiative which hopefully move forward and, and something that could be expanded, and that's uh, prior authorizations. Uh, you know, this is an area, for example, that I had mentioned to, to Dr. Khan that it may actually be an opportunity where we could, uh, in a positive way, append several of our practice parameters to uh, reflect a more updated vision of You know who we think should be candidates for monoclonal antibodies versus something that's you know somewhat artificially driven by uh, insurance companies and their sense of who should be on them Um, and then on the other side as far as initiatives for training programs uh, again and we can't solve all of this but i know personally obviously funding Uh, Always is an issue and unless you have happen to have a government-based program grant and as I alluded to before support for uh, Clinical educators that can be a critical part of training our our fellows and this is something where uh, You know perhaps the Quad AI Foundation could again create a uh, uh, Something where uh, For at least a one or two-year starter period, funds could be given to help support covering that sort of position.
1: Dr. Randolph, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to convey anything else to our to our audience at this time. And in the interest of fairness to both candidates, please limit your response to one minute or less. Okay. Thank you,
2: David. Thank you. And and again, uh, I want to. Uh, praise you for, for developing these questions, which I think are very, very useful to hopefully to our membership, uh, but certainly uh, to our uh, candidates. I feel that my clinical profile uh, that includes full-time practice, clinical teaching, and research um, is a bridge, uh, an interdisciplinary bridge, if you will. Uh, that is needed to fulfill the, uh, academy's, uh, mission, uh, so that I would be, uh, very comfortable with both the, uh, my, my full-time practice colleagues as well as our academic individuals like yourself, um, at our, uh, university centers, uh, and of course the clinical faculty and research faculty as well. Um, so I would bring to my role as uh, uh, ultimately as president that synergy between practice and research and teaching that uh, I was so inspired by uh, by my father uh, so many years ago um, and I think that all three.
0: Dr. Verant, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to convey anything else to our audience at this time. And in the interest of fairness to both of our candidates, please limit your response to one minute or less.
3: Uh, Sure, and these are, again, a couple things that have sort of crossed my mind in my uh, nearly four years now serving on the board um, that, again, will be challenging. But I, I think, you know, I can think of several whether it's a task force or maybe a short-term project that's come up I can't count how many times I've come to the conclusion that the Quad AI should conduct a census of its members to really better define our membership I mean clearly we know who's done training when they finished and so forth but we have very little notion of you know, who's in private practice, who's in a multi-specialty clinic, who's purely in academics. And, you know, these sorts of data would really help drive what should we focus on and so forth, uh, at least with certain topics. Uh, For example, as part of the registry, we have no data on who uses what electronic medical records. So trying to define You know, how do we use a third party to help interact with these EMRs, et cetera? We just don't have that data. Similarly, and this is probably even more obvious, and I know it happens at the grassroots level, it would provide an opportunity to ask what members want, what could be better. And then the other quick comment is having attended several meetings over the last decade, It strikes me that the Quad AI should consider perhaps putting together some two-day special topic meetings throughout the year. In other words, outside of the annual meeting, much like the European Academy does. I know these are a resounding success when they do them, like food allergy, drug allergy, biologics, etc. And it strikes me that it would provide a a way for people who really want to take a deep dive into a subject maybe get to learn it a a little more thoroughly that this could be a valuable
0: addition. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please visit www.aaai.org for show notes and any pertinent links from today's conversation. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you can receive new episodes in the future. Thank you again for listening.